This is Live at Five with Glenn Curry. <laughs> The army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this. Bada bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. This will I Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German, forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Uh, Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. Are you a This is Live at Five, yeah, Live at live. Five, Live at Five. In studio guests, in studio guests, here on the Live at Five show. Uh, you heard him today, uh, Mr. Harry Wilson. We're going to do our intro, of course, and we'll uh, be speaking with Harry Wilson. He's got a lot of places to go to with his assistant, as you might imagine, someone running for governor in this great state. Uh, he's going from uh, place to place, city to city, but he is with us this afternoon. Uh, just like he was uh, with uh, Mayor Jeff Graham at the noon hour. Uh, so uh, we'll have an opportunity to speak with him and his accomplishments so far and where he's, uh, what he's looking at for the upcoming primary. Coming up in, what, five weeks, not much time from now, uh, before the big primary that everyone's been talking about. So first of all, uh, let's, uh, say, Harry, uh, once again, welcome back to the studios here. I know we met earlier. And uh, first of all, is this the first time? I mean, I got to ask you. You probably been up to Watertown before. Oh, many times. Oh, have you? Oh, gotcha. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts about the North Country? Well, so it's not that far from where I live. I grew up in the southern part of the North Country in Johnstown, New York, in right. Fulton County. Yeah. And so the North Country is I consider you know kind of my neighbor. Right. And uh, so it's a. I think it's you know I, I love all parts of the state. There's so much the state has to offer. Mm-hmm. And a, a big part of what I, you know what I would plan to do as governor is have a very regional focus, where both focus on the opportunities and the strengths right. and the challenges of each region of the state, which is different, as you know, right. from different parts of the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we hear a lot of people who come up here and say, we have the same problems here. We have a congressman from uh, from Buffalo who says, our problems are no different. And that that doesn't surprise me. But for coming from Queens downstate myself, I do see the, the differences. But at the end of the day, we're all people. We all pay a lot of money for gas. Uh, but, again, we could talk about national issues all we want and about why the current administration is essentially screwing up the nation as we speak. But you're running for governor, and, and there's so many things that you want to do with, with respects to New York. So we're here with uh, Harry Wilson, if I could just get my notes together. Uh, working class roots from Johnstown, New York, like you said. Clean toilets for a living just to pay uh, for your college bill bills. Yeah, so my, my dad was a bartender. My mom uh, operated a sewing machine at a local factory. As you might imagine, those incomes weren't enough to pay for Harvard. And sure, so I had sure. to work my way through. I had, you know, was, I won a lot of scholarships, fortunately, and that helped a lot in generous financial aid package. But, you know, we I worked anywhere from 20 to 40 hours a week, right. cleaning bathrooms, driving the shuttle bus, right. working the library, anything I can do to get my hands on enough money to pay for our bills. Right. So when people say that you run businesses and you've, you've, you've turned businesses around, uh, we talked a, a little bit earlier uh, about what you did with GM and the big collapse, you know, uh, under uh, Barack Obama. A lot of people give Barack Obama maybe too much credit. Cash for clunkers, you can't forget that one. 
But it wasn't that long ago when GM and Dodge and Ford, for that matter, were going bankrupt. How, how did you help out that situation, Harry? Sure. GM? So, yeah, absolutely. Let me give you a little bit of context. So sure. for 30 years, my entire career, I've come into failing companies that are in bankruptcy or near bankruptcy. Interesting. Uh, led by mismanagement uh, that got them there in the first place. And then the hardworking people in the company are suffering because of that mismanagement. Mm-hmm. had to come in and fix the problems of the company. You know, figure out how to focus on the core customer, right. drive results and accountability and, and outcomes, yeah. and, and drive forward. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So when the financial crisis hit in two, late 2008, early 2009, TARP was passed by the Bush administration. Obama gets elected. Right. The market was melting down, as you probably remember. Yeah, sure. A lot of people thought we were on the verge of a second Great Depression. Right. And I, I was worried that a bunch of bureaucrats and Treasury would take our hard-earned tax dollars and TARP and make things worse. Because the turnaround business is very hard. It's not for people who don't know what they're doing. You had to have real experience and, and, and talent at it. And so I volunteered for what became the Auto Task Force. And I was the only uh, senior Republican on the team. Wow. I took had full responsibility for the General Motors turnaround specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, to set the stage on General Motors, uh, at that point, GM had been flirting with bankruptcy for 20 years. Yeah. It had been shrinking since 1954 for 55 years. Mm-hmm. If you look at the business press at the time, everybody said General Motors cannot be fixed. Right. It's broken and it will go out of business and it's not worth saving. Hmm. And I, having spent a lot of time fixing broken companies, I knew what the problems of GM were and I knew they could be fixed. Mm-hmm. And so I basically went in and the company had proposed a plan that would have led GM to going ba- going bankrupt within a year or two from that point forward. Mm-hmm. And we redid that plan completely, wow. took, um, restructured the business, focused around its core customers and its strengths. and. That company was losing $4 billion a month when we started wow. in March of 2009. That was all being paid for by the U.S. tax Right, exactly. The bailout. And then, exactly. And then five months later, it was profitable. And it's had record profits ever since. So it's had the best 13-year run in my lifetime. Right. Uh, all because of the work we helped set it up with to really get a new lease on life. And obviously, there's been a lot of hard work along the way sure. for the management team. But we really kind of gave it a new lease on life by being able to set it on the right path. Yeah, but you were a volunteer. That they, they, you weren't a face in the crowd. They, they, they had to know who you were and what you did prior to that. So you, you established yourself prior to that, Harry. Yes. At a young age, you're a young man now. So that was 13 Thank years you. ago. Yeah, well, you that. are. And, and, uh, it's all relative. My kids uh, think uh, I'm old. No, no, well, of course. A kid, kid thinks 21 over 30 years old. Exactly. But uh, that, that's very impressive. So, okay, are you the Lee Iacocca? Of, uh, did you turn around? Because Lee did it back in the 80s. Yeah, a lot of people made that analogy that, you know, it was Lee Iacocca. There's another guy named Jerry. Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name now. But he that's was, okay. He was uh, Lee's right-hand guy. Right. Those, those are the analogies that people used. Sure. And, you know, and I've, but I've, I've been doing that now for, you know, for 30 years. So right. I'm much better now than I was uh, in 2009, right, right. Uh, but that was just you know, that, that was a big that was the, a big deal. Yeah, it's one of the biggest companies in the world, and, sure. and it's it's considered by most to be the most successful industrial restructuring ever. It, really? So why are we hearing about that? I mean, you you said something about testing and whatnot. You should be talking about that. Well, the man I, who saved GM wants to be the governor of New York State. Well, so and, and I do talk about it. Like yeah, my, yeah. my whole background is is you know taking that turnaround experience and fixing New York State. Right. Um, and so whether it's General Motors or other companies we've worked on, yeah. long list over the years, that whole approach is exactly what I think the, the state needs. Like, I think the last thing we need in this state is another politician. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think a Republican politician would be better than a Democratic politician. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but that's, that's yeah, a yeah. low bar. Yeah. And I think yeah. anybody with common sense who would say no to the craziness coming out of the legislature would be an improvement over the current government. Right, right, but right. what we really need in a state that's that is the most broken state government in the country. It is. We really need someone who could actually fix it. Mm-hmm. Not just say no, not just manage the decline more slowly. Right. We need someone to actually fix it. Right. And I've been right. incredibly blessed. I could easily not do this, take take the money I'm putting in the campaign, buy a very nice house in Florida, right. and have a very nice life. I sure. love my wife and my my kids. So right. We have four daughters. I love my business. It's really interesting, fun, we do neat work. Right. Right. Um, but I feel real obligation to help fix this state because I know I can. Mm-hmm. And I've been the proud 
proud beneficiary of the American dream, as you, as you talked about my background. Right, right. Um, I've been more blessed than anybody uh, probably has any right to be and more than I could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And I want every New Yorker to have that same set of opportunity that I had growing up. And I know that we could, if we fix the problems out of Albany, they're now squelching opportunity, jobs, businesses, sure. and, and the way of life for everybody in the state. And they've been doing that well before Andrew Cuomo. Yes. His, his father was doing it back in the 80s. That's right. Which is why George Pataki was, uh, uh, I guess you could say, a bit, a lot of optimism as far as the, the Republican Party is concerned. But we haven't had a Republican since then. And you noted earlier, Harry, about when you ran in 2010 and you ran for state controller, and, and there was some miscue in terms of the actual uh, uh, ballots and whatnot, which has happened, seems more and more has happened over the years like that. But you were the closest as far as the statewide uh, race back in 2010. Explain that, Harry. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. So in the last 20 years, there's only one person who's come close to winning as a Republican statewide. Mm-hmm. That was me in 2010. I, I um, had never run for office before. Mm-hmm. had never even worked on a campaign before, Glenn. Mm-hmm. But I decided to run because I was approached by a lot of people in the Republican Party right. to say, with someone with your skills in the controller's office, which is basically the chief financial officer of the state, right. you can make a big difference to help New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I did not have really any interest in being controller, per se. I really wanted to help New Yorkers. And so what I concluded was that I could use the powers of the office, the audit power and the power to approve contracts, and highlight tens of billions of dollars of misspent taxpayer money and embarrass the governor and the legislature into doing something about it for the benefit of taxpayers. Mm -hmm. So I, I started running. Um, no one knew who I was, so yeah. just getting started. But I, we did 100 pages of white papers. Reporters started paying attention to what we were saying because what we were saying was new, different, smart, interesting. interesting. They'd asked the incumbent what, what they thought, and the incumbent didn't know. <laughs> and they said, oh, this kid's on to this kid, you know, right. meaning me, right. he's on to something. Right. And so we just started to snowball in a good way. So by the time we got to the week before the election, we were the only competitive statewide race in the state. Hmm. The Democrats then took everything they had, every dollar, every foot soldier, everything, right. and they poured it into help to Napoli. Right. So come right. to election night, we were uh, leading all the way through until 2 a.m. in the morning. Hmm. And the city votes started coming in around midnight, started closing that gap, and then we fell behind starting at 2 a.m. Right. By 9 a.m. the next day, I was down half a point, hmm. and we concluded the absentee ballots weren't going to be enough to get us back over the top. Hmm. So we conceded. Mm-hmm. And then three weeks later, yeah. they found, quote-unquote found, sure. 195,000 votes in the city uh, at the you know, basically the beginning of December. Right. Uh, so the official total has me down by four points. Wow. Um, but even even though that's worse than the half a point, it's still far better than anybody else's on the second best right. in the last 20 years was a 13-point loss. Mm-hmm. So that's how much better we did than anybody else who's run in the last 20 years. Right. And that's why I think I'm the Republican who has the best shot at winning. In fact, I would argue I'm the only Republican who can really win in November. Because of um, proven uh, statewide elections for thir- 12 years ago. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I think I'm better now than I was then. I think the circumstances are more favorable for Republicans now than they were then. Right. I think the issues that are that I'm particularly strong on resonate even more broadly than they did then. Right. And so, and I've, you know, I've, uh, that's why I think that I've got what it takes to, to win in November mm-hmm. as long as I get through the primary. Right, right. Uh, you had, okay, th- that's awesome. And, and congratulations on that. But i got to ask you, and I asked you before, you didn't run after that for a statewide mm-hmm. race because you're a family man and you, you had a business to run. Uh, so, but you came back into the mix to run for statewide election. In this case, for New York governor, can, can you explain why you why you waited? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, the state party had approached me um, a little bit in fourteen, particularly in eighteen, and I I did think about it seriously then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
The big, big reason I, I did speeches around the state, I never declared, I never formed an exploratory committee, but I thought about it very seriously. And the basic, the issue was, you know, we have, my wife and I, our four daughters were all at home. Mm -hmm. Our oldest was a junior in high school, mm -hmm. getting ready to go for college. Sure. And I just didn't feel I could do what it took to run a successful campaign and win, which right. is always an uphill struggle sure. in this state, as you know, mm -hmm. and be the husband and father I've been and my business. I just didn't think I could do a good job. I thought I'd probably do a bad job on all of them, right. lose the election, be right. a bad husband and father, right. and just, you know, really regret that decision. Mm -hmm. And so after thinking about it long and hard, I decided to not do it. Mm -hmm. um, so then the state party came back to me in in uh, March of 2021, mm -hmm. a little bit over a year ago. Right. And at that point, I was running the largest nursing home chain in the country that had 40,000 patients wow. and 20,000 employees. Uh, and they were they called me because they were five weeks away from running out of cash, so they needed my help. Wow. And and so I had a lot of responsibility on my hands, and I couldn't walk away from that. I know some people have been running despite having jobs paid for by taxpayers. Yeah, right, right. I, take, <laughs> I take my responsibilities very seriously. Yeah. And so yeah. I said that at the time. I said, look, I don't know if this is going to take six months, 18 months. Right. I can't commit. Uh, so Chairman Langworthy, who's an old friend I've known for a long time, a right. uh, big supporter of mine uh, for many years uh, said okay and he went to Zeldin and others and then they all went they were all running right. so fast forward to right before Thanksgiving we had announced that we were done with our work at Genesis we got um, a bunch of calls saying to us look the, the guys running are good guys but we don't think they can win this is the opportunity to win it's a hmm. once in a generation shot right. we need you to fix the state you right. ought to reconsider right. and my first reaction was I you know didn't it, I hadn't been thinking about it at all hmm. but I started thinking about it more and I basically concluded that that was right that mm -hmm. this is a once in a generation opportunity yeah. and shame on me if I've got the skills to fix the state and I'll do everything I possibly can to fix it I may lose the primary I may win the primary lose in November but I want to give it 200% of everything I've got right. because that's what it takes and that's what the state needs right, right. and um, and so like what I look at and why do I say once in a generation opportunity and why we can't blow it by by nominating the wrong person well you need to win in the state as I know is the only person who's come close to winning you need a red wave and a vulnerable incumbent mm -hmm. so in 2010 we had a red wave but Denapoli was, was popular and well liked yeah, was. and that's why I fell a little short right. Um, right. you need and, you, and if you have a vulnerable incumbent in a in a dem year that's not good enough right, right? right. Uh, and right. so like we saw in 18 Cuomo had his challenges but it was a good dem year and Mark yeah. Molinaro lost by 23 points or a something. A big, I, I forgot who we actually ran yeah. on the Republic. I remember Cynthia Nixon before Molinaro. I really <laughs> and Mar do. And Mark's a great guy. Yeah, I'm sure he is. That's just what happens in a blue year. You can't win in the state statewide. Right, right. right. And so you need a red wave and right. a vulnerable incumbent. We have both. Right. The first time since 1994, since Cuomo lost Pataki. Mm -hmm. And then to then to win, you need someone who actually can win crossover votes and succeed as governor. Right. And George Pataki was able to do that in 1994. Right. Now, back then, there were two million fewer Democrats then than there are now. Really? The same number of Republicans. And people forget that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a, it's a it's a big difference where the the Democratic registration unfortunately has grown a lot. Right. Independent registration has grown, and Republican right. registration is, is flatlined over that period of time. And so it's harder now than it was in '94. Um, is that a function of upstate because of the loss of, of population? Partly, a lot of them yeah. were probably Republican voters yeah. as opposed to downstate. Yeah, partly. And growth New York, in New York City. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's yeah. both exactly. Which um, is, yeah, go ahead. So so I look at it and said, okay, so we got to have those three three things line up. The next time that happens could be 20 years from now. Our kids can't afford to wait two years, much less 20 years. Sure. And so I felt I had to do everything I possibly can to, right. to win and, and fix the state. You're a downstater. That has to help. But do people know that you're living in Westchester? Despite the fact mm -hmm. you're from the Albany area, Pataki was from Peekscale. Mm -hmm. He was considered a downstater, upstater, so to speak. Hochul is clearly the only upstater I can remember in my lifetime. 
And you know the configuration. You need to have at least, if you're going to beat the incumbent, and you just stated that very, very well, uh, that you have to have at least 35% of the downstate. Uh, so ha- being, do you tell that to, to the borough areas in New York City? Yeah. Hey, I'm one of you guys. Well, the way and I, I say GM. <laughs> <laughs> the way I think about it is I'm the only candidate who understands all parts of the state because I spent half my life upstate and half my life downstate. Mm-hmm. And I think both parts of the state are awesome. I know yeah. I know a lot of my friends upstate are not big fans of the city. Yeah, yeah. But I actually think they both have their own strengths and weaknesses. And, oh, without, and without the city, we don't have highways like we do. We, right. we look like Pennsylvania, to tell you the truth. Right. And, and, and I think there's just so much we can do rather than kind of criticizing each other, try to work on our strengths and work together sure. as a team. You know, and so I'm sure. the only candidate who really understands both, uh, you know, all parts of the state, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that's that's how I think about it. But I, I, I consider myself an upstater because that's, you know, where I was born, raised, sure. all, all of my upbringing, all my formation was in Johnstown. Um, I think, you know, where, where Governor Hochul has gone wrong, even though she clearly uh, born and raised in Buffalo, right. is that she's forgotten her upstate roots and really kind of is catering to downstate politicians who would dominate her party. Right. That's the core problem. Right. Uh, and I think if she governed like, you know, we would like her to govern, then she'd be a much better governor, but she's not doing that. Is she not qualified to be the governor? Is she in the right <laughs> place at the right time? Yeah. Is she so, David Patterson to some degree? I mean, I like David Patterson, believe it or not. I just thought he was a good guy. But at the same time, he wasn't really the best governor in the world. And I wonder if it's the same circumstance considering how she got it. Yes. And for that matter, uh, Ms. Gillibrand is our senator. But that's another discussion altogether. Is she qualified to remain the incumbent of our great state? So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quote that a Democratic operative had in the paper recently, which basically said, listen, Kathy's a nice lady, yeah. but those folks in nursing homes who are dying under the Cuomo directive didn't need a nice lady. They need someone to fight for them. Exactly. And she didn't do that. Right. And I think that sums up part of her personality, not all of it. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day... We have to, you know, this is a, a, a really broken state that's big and complicated. We should only be considering governors who have the ability to run mm-hmm. big, complicated, broken organizations. Mm-hmm. Not someone who, in her professional experience, she basically was sidelined by Cuomo when she was lieutenant governor for seven years, right. basically ribbon cutting. Right. She had one year in Congress, and then she had a short uh, stint as the Erie County clerk. I don't believe that that qualifies someone to run a large, complicated, messy state. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to take my word for it. Just look at the results. Mm-hmm. She's been, I think, a very poor governor for the nine months she's been in office. Mm-hmm. And I think that's starting to show. And that's why her approval ratings have fallen so much is people realize she's not dealing with the core problems we have as a state. Yeah, and not to mention her first pick as lieutenant governor didn't work out either. Right. Uh, I don't know. And, and again, her insistence on staying on the equity thing was, and I get that. Uh, but that's not, I mean, at the end of the day, we need qualified people just in case she is no longer a governor to be governor. So I think she's setting up someone else to fail because based on, on politics. And, uh, and that's just the way things are. And I was talking earlier how there's so many people at the back of the line that are being pushed to the front of the line for politics. And that doesn't get us anywhere. Uh, and I know you got to go, but, but uh, so you've been up to New York today, uh, Watertown. You've been here before. Where do you go from here in the final 35 days prior to the primary? What's your, what's your game plan now, Harry? So it's a lot of travel. I mean, and we, what we basically do is these kind of regional thematic tours. So we're here today. We talked most of the day we're talking about our crime plan, which is for a 14-page plan on our website, harrywilsonforgovernor.com, very right. comprehensive. Um, we'll have more plans coming out. We've had a government reform plan. And, you know, we're tomorrow we're in Oneida, and then we're in uh, the Capital District, and then we're in Ulster and Duchess uh, all in the next uh, 48 hours, uh, 72 hours, excuse me. Right. And so we've got that, and then we'll be on Western New York later next week. We in the in, in back in central, in central New York in the Finger Lakes and Syracuse right after that. So we've got a, a very packed travel schedule. Right. Um, 
Uh, but a lot of it, it's, it's a combination of, of messaging, getting out in front of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's value to just showing up. Mm -hmm. But I think the more important thing is is making sure that people understand what, what we can do to, to make the state better. Uh, and that's that's really kind of focus on, on delivering that message as broadly as we can. Sure, sure. I still think the GM thing has to be brought up despite the fact it's uh, it's the primary. And I know you bring it up like today and others. But I think people, that should that should be driven. Uh, pardon the uh, the, uh, the pun there, uh, because I think it's so so important. Uh, but that said, you know, obviously, you know, we're we're, we're with you. I just hope that New York State, or, or for that for that matter, is it a three way race now? Are there four guys in this race? Four, four way. There's yeah. four, but we don't really hear much about Lee at all. Uh, check that, Mr. Astorino. Is is he part of this race at all, Harry? Yeah, no, I think he is. I okay. think. I mean, I think you know. I respect all all my opponents, you know, yeah. and and um, I've known Rob a long time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, look, I think it's 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 a it's a hard state to get around, and so you it can is. be traveling yeah. all the time and not you know and not see somebody all, you know frequently. Um, obviously, you know, we have the benefit of having some TV advertising that hopefully people are right. enjoying and, and learning about us. Right. Uh, but it's it's just hard to get your message out, and so um, you know we'll. I think the main thing is you know I think we have two things. One, we have three nine days left until the primary. Mm -hmm. I think most people will start tuning in as we get much closer, mm -hmm. uh, and that will be important. And we're trying to set ourselves up so that people understand who we are, understand what we can do. It's so much different than anybody else running. Sure. Uh, and and then just getting our message out as broadly as we can. What about a debate? Has there been any discussion about yeah, that? Yeah, there's been at least three agreed. I believe. I'm not sure if Zeldin has agreed. To they got to happen then. Yeah. Good. There are others being negotiated. We're trying to what you know, what I would like to do, which unfortunately doesn't seem like the way it's being set up, is I think we should do regional debates, like one in each region of the state, right. and rotate around. One in Buffalo, Syracuse, and one in Downstate. Yeah, well, Albany, Albany, yeah, screw Albany. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you could fix Albany, but let Albany. Uh, uh, so okay, so that, we'll be looking more for that, obviously, in the next in the next thirty nine days. Uh, but appearances, like on I mean, we talked earlier, uh, because Lee is a congressman, he has that. Uh, almost built-in mechanism where he can be exposed on Fox News. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you don't have that at this point. So um, how can you change that so you can get more exposure that way? Because that really helps. Yeah, no, there's no, no doubt you're right. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. He's, you know, it's taxpayer money funding his campaign effectively. Uh, but Which is legal, <laughs> but at the end of the day, right. that's unfair. Right, unfair. right, right. Yeah. But it, it is what it is. Like, yeah. I knew that going into it. It's nothing I can do about it. But to your point, the question is, how do we get more? And so as doing shows like this is fantastic. Sure. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Uh, it's, and I love this format because it's a chance to really dive deep into it the is. issues. So yeah. that's great. You, 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 um, I have a hard break. <laughs> <laughs> you know how the Hannity is all this. Exa right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we do, like, for example, we had an article on Fox News um, on Fox News Online yeah. uh, just a couple days ago about the baby formula uh, yeah. crisis, yeah, right. which, you know, I talked about my turnaround skills and what I would do differently, which is a lot mm -hmm. in the, versus the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. And so Fox has given it a lot of attention. Now, we, that hasn't been on, on TV yet, right. but, you know, we had thousands or tens of thousands of views and uh, lots of great supportive comments. So we're just trying to break through by using our expertise to talk about New York issues in a right. different way, right. as well as other things that kind of, you know, kind of play to our strengths. So it has the... It seems like the Democratic administration, perhaps Barack Obama's administration, utilized you during the GM thing. Was that something that they authorized you to do, or is that something completely different? In other words, has the Democrats used your skills as someone that could turn around companies? Uh, have you done that for, for both parties, essentially? Well, I mean, I, I think about it, I, I did. You know, I did it for the benefit of the country. Like, okay, you know, gotcha. it's like, so you know, the the you know, TARP was a bipartisan effort. Uh, we were, you know, on the verge of a second great depression, right? And so, sure. the, for us, had had that had the car companies not been fixed, 
we would have lost a million jobs it would have been across, awful. you know, from, you know, kind of Midwest through central New York. Mm-hmm. And it would have been devastating for the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why people thought it might be a second Great Depression. So yeah, sure, I thought about sure. it as, you know, serving my country at a time of need, just like other people might serve their country with their skill set. My skill set was fixing broken companies. And sadly, it was something that was desperately needed at that time. I saw you, the Richard Gere character from uh, Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I turn around companies. No, I'm sorry. It's just an old, it's a, it was one of my favorite movies. But that's what he did. And and, uh, and and that's what we need. And that's what we need in, in Albany. A business. Hey, there's another guy that was a businessman that didn't have any political experience. And I know you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully he can get back on Twitter again <laughs> and, and and start professing his love for the country. And we start we we can start looking at his uh, his leadership uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, roles in the in the in the future. But for yeah, ne- yeah go ahead. Well, the other thing I was going to add. Yeah. So they're exactly right. Obviously, and I think there's a lot to be said. I'm biased, of course. But yeah, there's a lot yeah. to be said for the outsider business guy who's not beholden to special interests, who's not. Not a career go- right. uh, goal on who doesn't need this job doesn't need this job is there to make a difference right. you know and I think if we're in the White House I think it's you know it's work if you look at governors in blue states Republican governors in blue states yeah. all of them have been outsider business guys, all of them. Glenn right. Youngkin in Virginia, right. very similar background to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, Schwarzenegger you know, to a degree. Schwar- Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah, different, but yeah. the same. Yeah, you know? sure, sure, uh, sure. Uh, Bruce Rauner in Illinois, right. uh, Hogan, Baker, um, right. uh, Chris Nuno in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you go through all these states that have elected, you know, blue states or purple states that have elected Republican governors. Right. They're all outsider business guys. Now, why, would, why is that? I believe it's because many voters who are swing voters see politicians of both parties as more or less the same. Ineffective, talk a lot, don't do anything. And I think that's largely fair. And so to get those swing voters, you need to have someone different, not just another politician. That's why I don't think a politician can win in the state, even in a good year. I think someone who's a game changer like I am, who could really uh, turn Albany upside down and make it work for the people of the state is what what, what can win, but also what we need as governor. Is that something like what Lee is doing, kowtowing to both sides just to appease everyone so we can get votes? Is he somewhat of a rhino in your in your opinion? Yeah, I, mean, I look. I think he's been an opportunist. Like he he was a Cuomo supporter when Cuomo was popular, and he was in the state senate, and they had a deal where Cuomo wouldn't support Democrats against Long Island Republicans right. if Long Island Republicans voted for Cuomo. Right. I think that's corrupt. Right. I think he basically sold out the taxpayers of the state to keep his job. Right. I, I call that corruption. I think it's terrible. Right. You know, I know that happens in politics all the time, but sure. that's the problem. Right. You know? Well, you're pulling him on it in your edge. You're doing it right now. Yes. Uh, is, is he retorting? Is he saying anything about it? Like, oh, uh, well, I didn't mean it in those ways, or is he just walking well, away altogether? The only thing I've heard him say is like, well, Andrew Cuomo was, you know, popular in his first year and then he changed his stripes and first like, year, <laughs> that was ten years that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a ridiculous response. Right. But the, the voting record is clear. I mean right. it's like it's clear he voted for all his budgets, it's clear he voted for all those tax increases. Right. Right. It's clear he thought he said publicly he thought Andrew Cuomo should be president. Right. I mean those things are all on the record. There's right. no doubt in denying it. Right. Right. And uh right. and you know you say to to me the question is why? Why did he say that? Mm-hmm. Why is he you know why does he say things and I think he he panders to whatever audience sure. is in front of him. Sure. And so, like, when he was in front of the Right to Life Town Hall a couple weeks ago, he said he wanted a Right to Life Commissioner, right. and then he backtracked from that five days ago. Mm-hmm. When he was speaking to uh, the Rifle and Pistol so- Association, right. he said he didn't want red flag laws. He backtracked right. from that. Right. And so I believe he'll do what, unfortunately, a lot of politicians do, which is pander to whoever's in front of him, as opposed to govern from a position a position of principle. Sure. I've been a s- limited government conservative my whole life. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. government should be as small as mm-hmm. possible, and where it is, it should be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, because to, to, to exist, it's only taking, it only exists because it takes our tax dollars. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when Kathy Hochul says, I'm giving out money, no, she's giving out our money. Yeah, she's right. giving out her money. Right, she's right. giving out her money, God bless her. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, um, that's yeah. okay. But, but, so so, so that's, that's where I think, the, but I think that's a 
a problem with politics in general. And that's why what I'm proposing is so different. I, I really do believe in a citizen politician model where people come into public life for relatively short periods of time, mm -hmm. use their skills to make a difference, and then go back out. So you're, you're for term world. limits? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right. yeah I would say, uh, I, first of all, I will do everything I can to pass term limits mm -hmm. for the statewides and the legislature. Eight years for statewides, mm -hmm. 12 years for the legislature. Well, the, the, but the, I would self-limit myself anyways. New York mayor is back down to eight. I know Bloomberg did it yeah. for three uh, an emergency. I don't know how he pulled it off. Thank yeah. God he did, because we probably would have had four years of Wiener right. as our governor before <laughs> he got in trouble. Right. I, look, I, I'm a true believer because of all the crazy stuff. I know you got to go. The crazy stuff right now, we're supposed to be in the second term of Hillary Clinton right now, right. Mr. Wilson. We're supposed to be in her second term. But I think because Trump was in there for the four years, not only are they getting back at us, they're doing it with a vengeance. And that's why things are so topsy-turvy right now. Not to mention we have a, a president that shouldn't be there. He, he cognitively challenged and so forth. Last question. Hochul was for guns. She actually said she used to be a gun owner. Same thing with Gillibrand. She seemed to change her, her tone on that. Is that like what you were saying about Lee? Just you know, just pandering. Yeah, I think I think they're both pandering. I think they're pandering in their in that case to their party's left, yeah. right, uh, which is anti-gun rights, anti-gun owners, right. uh, and I think it's it's unacceptable. I mean, I think it's a violation of the Second Amendment, sure. you know, which I've been a staunch defender of my whole life. Right. I yeah, I'm a gun owner myself. I grew up shooting with my dad in the backyard right. uh, when I was you know eight years old. Right. Uh, I've been right. you know kind of active. You're ever from since. upstate. It's like it's, we're like Texas. That's what we did. We you really know, are. Yeah. And it was like everybody I knew had it. And yeah. It was really interesting the cultural divide on this issue, which I uh, when I talked to friends downstate they don't get it because they didn't grow up that way right. and i say them like you just think about it for a second sure. picture yourself you 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 shoot with your friends the weekends you go hunting right. you're a sportsman right. which everybody i grew up with was yeah. and and then somebody tells you you're a law-abiding citizen you've done nothing wrong right. and then someone tells you they're going to exactly. take something right. that is central to your identity right. and your recreation your way of life right. from you right and this well, that doesn't seem fair. Exactly. Yeah. That's and they don't get it because they've never grown up that right. way. Right. But that's the problem with you know kind of the, the upstate downstate divide is people don't appreciate that. And so mm -hmm. when I tell them that mm -hmm. and they know me and they're like, oh, that makes more sense. Right. It's like exactly. Right. And right. I think by the way, that's how we can solve a lot of problems where people just understand the other side better. Sure. Sure. Um, if they listen. If they listen. If they listen. Uh, real quick, the other day I saw a hor horrible, horrible video, very graphic video, broad daylight in Queens near where I'm, I'm originally from. Uh, where a, a young man was pistol whipped uh, for 40, uh, repeatedly, caught on a ring camera, and it's like I don't think that guy's a, that guy with the big big gun in his hand that he's hitting him like like he's Henry Hill. And he's smacking him over the head repeatedly, knocking him unconscious, taking his money forty five hundred dollars by the way. I don't think he's applying any uh, faith towards New York State gun laws at that point. Right. So when you take the guns away from people up here in northern New York who have them s stored away in gun cabinets for yep. the hunting season, yep. they're the ones that they want to take the guns from, but they're not going to take the gun away from that guy in Queens. That's right. not going to happen, Harry. That, well, that's the problem. And I, I, I make the point. It's like, look, 99.99% of gun owners never do anything wrong. Right, right, you know? exactly. And so what, you wouldn't any other problem in the world, if you had 99.99% things going well, sure. you'd focus on the 0.01% or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and that's it. And you wouldn't worry about anything else. Right. And, you know, I, I use the answer with, with auto accidents. Auto accident rates are much higher than that. Mm -hmm. We don't say people can't drive cars. Right, it's a good point. We say the people who drive cars when they're drunk, they right. have they go to jail, right. right? When they're when they're speeding, they get a ticket, right? right? And so we have enforcement mechanisms for the people who, who break the law, sure. and that's what we should do on this issue. And mm -hmm. those basically all of the people who are the problem are either criminals, right. or they're mentally ill, mm -hmm. or they're people like this monster in Buffalo who exactly. are consumed by hate, right? And that's who and should mentally go after. ill probably, but still he yes, is consumed right. by hate. Yeah, that's right. But that, that's who we should go after. Right. And we have laws in the books that are clearly not being enforced well. Right. Um, you know, Hochul talked about creating this uh, terrorism task force. Yeah, and yeah. I see two things on that. One is 
we actually have a state terrorism task force that was created two years ago that has never met and has never filed a report, even though they're required to by law. Mm -hmm. Now, Hochul's been governor during half that time, mm -hmm. and she was lieutenant governor for all the rest of the time. Right. And she never did a damn thing about it. Mm -hmm. But now she's discovered it because of this horrible tragedy. Mm -hmm. And look, we need, to, we need to do something on it. But she didn't do anything about it when she could have mm -hmm. as a sitting governor. Mm -hmm. um, so one is we do have mechanisms in place that aren't being utilized or effective. And then the second is her approach, as she said publicly, was to create a new task force, a new, a new unit to focus on, on terrorism. Well, what that does Through the state police, apparently. Yes. What that does is it creates silos. When I talk to people in law enforcement, it's how we built our crime plan. We actually talked to actual police officers and mm -hmm. prosecutors and defense attorneys and said, what are you seeing in the field? What's, what's making your life harder? Mm -hmm. What can we do to fix it? Uh, which I think is the right way to think about building a plan. Sure. Um, what, what they said was, look, the problem is there's too much bureaucracy, too many silos. We need to break down silos, work together, mm -hmm. work across, you know, kind of state police and municipalities, for example, or different jurisdictions mm -hmm. as, you know, as criminals may flee, you know, across the state. Right. And, uh, and, and so something like this is an example where you want to infuse that capability and deepen the training, but across existing law enforcement, mm -hmm. not create a separate organization that's going to be siloed off right. and not have the benefit of all the intelligence that each side is gathering. Mm -hmm. So she even even now her approach doesn't make any sense it's no. going to make things worse not going to solve the problem right. and and then you know on the on the mentally ill this is a hugely important point by the way we we spend this massive 224 billion dollar budget mm -hmm. you know per capita above, basically the highest in the country yeah. uh, all this misspent capital and yet despite all this spending the number of psychiatric beds in this state has gone down 15 percent right. in the last few years we've seen in Augsburg over the last 20 years yeah, and so what you have, and, and obviously, as you know, mental illness has been spiking Huge. because of the pandemic. Yeah, give them um, drugs, let them go out in the street. Right, and so we're failing those people and failing the victims of those people because we're not providing the care that they need on something as basic as having psychiatric bed capacity. Right, right, uh, right. And so that's, you know, but, but again, that's not the sexy stuff. That's why like, Hoke will have a press conference. No one's going to have a press conference talking about psychiatric bed capacity, no, no even though that actually makes a difference. Sure, it does. And, and so that's, those are the types of things that, you know, I as a business person, as a turnaround expert, mm -hmm. as an outsider, care about and mm -hmm. focus on is mm -hmm. how do you actually solve the problem mm -hmm. as opposed to just standing behind a podium and giving a speech attacking the other side that does nothing for anybody. That's fantastic. Harry Wilson running for governor. $10 million of his own money. You don't need this gig, but you, you, you want this gig. I want to fix the state. You and to do that, I, I've got to be governor. Yeah, and you, and you, need as many, you need support. You need us. You need us to vote for you. Harry. Yes. That's and the only way we're going to get there is if the people of the state come together and realize that another politician is not going to fix the problem. we got to come together, support me, turn out for the primary on June 28th, mm -hmm. and hopefully we win that and then bring it on the victory in November. Yeah, and I will be looking for the, for the, for the debates. Hopefully they'll be aired on one of our local stations. Yep. Uh, but uh, we'll stay in touch for that, Harry. That's for Fantastic. sure. Right, where are you going from here? Uh, so now we've got a couple more stops in the area, and then we'll be in Oneida in the morning. Okay, but you'll be up in the North Country, I'm assuming, uh, over the next... It's going to be... It's hell oh, month. Yeah. you got like yeah. 39 days before the big day, and I know it continues beyond that, but I wish you all the luck in the world. And I love you, TV Spots. I'm glad that I met your assistant here today. I know you got to go. Thank you very much for coming in for, for both shows, for both the Hotline and the Live at Five show. Great to Harry, see you. Harry thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you very, very much. Uh, and let me just do a commercial break right now. You're listening to the Live at Five show. Uh, Harry Wilson, thank you again, and we'll be right back. I'm Pete Barnett, awesome. candidate for Jefferson. Okay, well, sorry about that. Okay, I'm back. All right. 
All right, so I can't get this muted any further because when I play that uh, copyrighted music, uh, Mark Zuckerberg gets all pissed off. Thank you very much to Harry Wilson, a candidate for a Republican candidate for New York State governor, one of four people. And you've been seeing his ads actually more than any other uh, of his uh, opponents. Uh, and there's a big reason for that because he, up until this point, although I don't have the record of this, I should have asked him, he has spent more money than, than his three comp- uh, opponents combined. I know Lee is spending some money. He's up here in the marketplace. You've heard his ads right here on the Live at Five show. They know where to go to, uh, to reach out to uh, Republican voters or voters in general. So that's, that's a good sign. But uh, $10 million is, uh, is a lot of cash, a lot of money, not to mention what he's spending uh, just going back and forth. This is a guy who doesn't need to be governor. And just like uh, Trump didn't need to be president, although, you know, yeah, president, the, being president doesn't pay uh, a lot of money. Although at the end of the day, you know, look at the, uh, look at the Obamas. Uh, they got to pay off their uh, their student loans real quickly after all that was said and done. And the prestige that comes with it is outstanding. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, being a governor, you don't get that much money. He can continue being uh, who he is, the businessman he is, turning pe- uh, companies over. Mm-hmm. But now, if you look at New York State as a company that needs a lot of help, that's the type of guy that you want to, uh, in charge, that's for sure. Not Cynthia Nixon, that's for sure. Uh, Twelve minutes before the hour, if anyone wants to call in. Look, I don't know what's going on, but here's the thing. I've been paying attention to this other political story um, very, very closely, except for the last two hours. And, you know, here's the thing. Let me just make sure I got to, I want to go to News Junkie because whenever, repeat, whenever you need to know what's going on in town, you go to News Junkie, spelled with a big fuzzy, dot com. Oh, look at this real quick. Before I get to it, I was talking to the, uh, his, uh, Harry's assistant who knows Pete Davidson because uh, they're, they're, he's from Staten Island as well. But now, breaking news, breaking news. Pete Davidson of SNL expected to exit after this week. Oh, there goes the show. Boy, I'll never watch it again. Who the heck cares? He was the guy that uh, put down Syracuse because he did a movie there not too long ago on Burnett Avenue. But that said, if you've seen Burnett Avenue in Syracuse in recent months, years, uh, you might have a point. Because it's a, it's a hellhole. I was going to call it something else, but as I'm on the radio right now. But you know what I'm saying. Okay, let me just see if there's any... Because Channel 7 brought it up last night, and they're not the only ones talking about it. But I just want to make sure I know what's going on here. Because apparently the lines have been reestablished and they are have been confirmed. Today was the date when both congressional districts, although I do not like the, the new congressional district, not much different. Here it is. No, it's not here. That's something else. So I don't see anything. I don't see anything here. Unemployment rate fell down in New York State. Blah, blah, blah. That's Paul Malarkey. Um, and, and again, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Ch- Ch- Channel 7 says a car went over the river. In the Black River, driver escapes and swims to shore. That's the best part of the story. But it was a Honda Accord removed from the water near Eastern Boulevard Bridge in Watertown. Let me just tell you something. I know I'm sounding crazy. I am not a prophet. I'm not. But I just drove by there yesterday on water, on that street there, and I made a right-hand turn, and I looked at that little pathway. Now, this is on the other side of the road. <coughs> I think it is. Am I really looking at this correctly? And I said, what if someone accidentally drove down that road? What, what would happen? They would go through that fence. That was just yesterday. And sure enough, some Honda Accord, for whichever reason, I don't know, Went down that pathway and went right into the river. The good news is they survived. And also, uh, uh, national news. National news. Uh, Northern New York made national news in the town of Lee Ray. Uh, some drunk woman drove into what appeared to be some type of spill-off pond 
or, or whatever they call them, sumps. They have them all over Long Island uh, where all out of the blue there's like some uh, water runoff uh, that's fenced in. Well, she was drunk, went through the fence. The car started to get submerged more and more. Uh, state police, and I believe, I, I don't know if it was both state police or maybe a deputy, but whatever, law enforcement was there, and as they were trying to get out of the car, the car went further into the water, submerging not only her, but the, one of the officers that were try, was trying to save her. He got out, and then somebody smacked out, used all of his, the pressure of his feet to smack, uh, smash into the, the sunroof of the vehicle, and thank God there was a sunroof. And from that, crushing the sunroof uh, and then allowing the woman to survive. That made uh, Fox News, it's, it went viral. Um, scary, scary moment. And, uh, you know, you feel hopeless. There was one police officer sitting there. like, what do I do? What's, what do I do now? He had to take his gun off. I mean, he jumps in that water. He's going to sink like a, like a brick. So what these guys do at any given time, and, and just the ability to put, like, you know, big high-powered lights on the situation, too. I, I mean, you know, that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it, you take it for granted, but that's, you got to get, you got to be quick. You got to be there. You got to know what the, when, how to flip the switch, where to point it. I, I know I'm sounding very, very fundamental, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you need people who know what to do. And thank God they did. Now, that woman also got a DWI. Uh, she's probably embarrassed by that as well as she should be, but she's alive to tell the tale. All right, let's do this. Let's do our last break. We'll be back. There's a lot of things that need changing. One of them could be your roof. If so, get Herringer's Contracting to fix it or replace it altogether. Don't delay. Yeah, yeah. I just sent someone a joke. I started a joke. Which made the whole world laughing. But I couldn't see that the world is on. Is that, that the joke is on me? Sorry. I'm into a falsetto mood, mood lately. I was singing Leo Sayer yesterday. You can't get any more falsetto than Leo Sayer. It's impossible. Unless you're singing like a, a song from Supertramp. <coughs> Dream on! <clears throat> you know, I was telling my wife, I used to think Spanky and our gang. Is that the name of the band? Or oh, like to get to know you if I could. So I was talking to my brother about sp- in that, that song. And I was like, wow, Spanky and our, and our gang. And then I said, you know, which one was Spanky? And my, my brother said, well, it's the woman. I said, what? I said, what? So yeah, Spanky's a woman. Spanky's a woman? I had no idea. I don't know if she was British from the British invasion back in the 60s. You know, Super Tramp, that's a guy's voice. You know, the uh, Dreamin' song and the other one. Oh, they had so many. Breakfast Over America. Such great music. I, 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 I was watching a video the other day. For, what's his name? Travis Scott. He's the rapper. He was the one that had that big, awful concert down there in Houston last fall. People, uh, why would, and again, I, I'm looking at the majority of people. It looks like, you know, decent college kids. You know that, that you know wear striped shirts. In my day, they would listen to the Bee Gees, or or, or you know, the, you know, they 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 wouldn't go any more radical than listen to like uh, the Bangles or the Cars, and they're going to these rap concerts. And again, I know that sounds oh, there goes Glenn again, blah blah blah. But you know, it just times have changed. But it's it's not so much the culture that I don't understand; it's the melody that just doesn't exist. So when you listen to something like uh, "Rapper's Delight" by the Sugar Hill Gang from 1979. 
from Brooklyn <clears throat> or Cypress Hill, you just, uh, you know, again, it, it was an acquired taste, but you, know, you, you, you had melody. It had a hook. It, it, it's something you can hum to. I, I can't, I don't get any of this. And which le- lends me, I mean, uh, I, I was just talking to a young uh, man earlier, how, you know, he's, uh, he's living in a uh, downstate somewhere. And he says his neighborhood, the average house just for a small connected uh, townhouse is l- at least $400,000. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, that's a lot of money. I remember when my Uncle Jack bought a, house, uh, a townhouse like that back in the 70s in Staten Island for 44000 And that was a lot of money back in the day. <gasps> your, your uncle bought a house for $44,000? Yeah. What, was he a lawyer? No. Works for the sanitation department. In fact, h- half the borough of Staten Island works for the, st- for the, 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 the whole, ca- half the county's a dump. And I mean that respectfully because that's where the city dump is. There's another one in Brooklyn, but that's neither here nor there. It's tough to be a 20-something-year-old these days. And I know Elizabeth Warren wants to get rid of all your student debt and whatnot, and she's doing that in the stake of equity, which is a bunch of nonsense. $1.7 trillion. She's a maniac. She really is. And then she still wants Elon Musk to pay his fair share, despite the fact that he employs tens of thousands of people and I don't know how many companies he owns. Elon Musk apparently in some trouble. Uh, Some stewardess is saying that he exposed himself to her, uh, and now he's challenging challenging her to identify his body parts in description. Boy, that guy, I tell you what, he's got what? He's got B-A-L-L-S. I don't know if the stewardess saw them, but he certainly has them. There's no doubt about it. He's always got an answer. And it's funny because because he's going far and far right of center, thank God, that they can't stand that. And yet this is the guy they really should be praising, not Jeff Bezos, who's essentially destroying more, more businesses than you can shake a stick at. They should be praising the guy that's going to revolutionize them, uh, the world through electricity. But they don't look at it that way. It's just crazy. AM 1240, WA10, Water I hope you have a great weekend. MMA event tomorrow at the arena. Up next, CBS News. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Stacey Lynn in Washington. What a wild 